0: Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance. With me as my co-host, we'll see how long she lasts, is the amazing Valerie Willis. And our guest today is Steve Iowanu. Welcome, Steve. And I said the name correctly. (laughs) You you got it. First try. Uh, Yes. I got to give my uh, pat on the back. There we go. Okay. There's no accounting for what's going to happen at the end of this podcast. So I'm going to... the very best after we've been drinking. Um, so let's <laughs> let's talk about that for a moment. I have Bailey's on ice. Oh, I very nice. What is that? It
1: looks magical, very lacy and and high tech.
0: Oh no, it's a, it's a it's a plastic cup. No, I cannot be trusted with glassware.
1: It looked like glassware. I thought you were going fancy. My um,
0: beautiful, amazing friend, Kendra, got me a set of these that has a matching pitcher. It's wonderful. Like if you want to do a little sangria, whatever. But guess what? It's also made of plastic, so I can't break it very easily. Oh, got me. It's a little things. Uh, (laughs) It's a little things in life. What are you drinking, Val? I, I'm going. I'm going kind of plain and back to the basics today. I'm doing a
1: a a Jack and Coke. Oh, very good. A do. little light on the Jack though, because Val, Val hasn't had a podcast in a while, and this is the only time I drink. And I don't want to repeat of the <laughs> champagne incident. So we're just. I'm just doing doing sticking to to the safety boundaries here.
0: Okay. The the great. <laughs> it's a great champagne incident of 2023. Um, <laughs> Steve, what are you drinking?
2: I am drinking a, a cold bottle of Budweiser beer, uh, an American icon right here.
0: Yeah. I, I like it. I like it. Okay. So Steve, for anybody listening that doesn't know about you, what do you write?
2: Uh, I am a fiction writer. Um, my first book came out, um, I guess it was 2015. It's a collection of short stories called Muscle Cars. And I always describe it as 17 short stories about guys making bad decisions, um, semi-autobiographical. My first novel, Rook, uh, came out last year, and that's based on a true life story of a man named Al Nussbaum. And he grew up here in Buffalo, New York in the 1950s. Nice guy, lots of friends, Maria's High School sweetheart, had their first child, started a couple businesses, and he'd tell his wife he was going out of town for work. But Al's real job was robbing banks, and he robbed about six of them before his wife or the FBI knew what he was up to.
0: Holy cow.
2: Yeah, that was a tough dinner conversation to have once uh, uh, he was discovered. Um, But that's based on a true story. And then this fall, my second novel, Yesteryear, is coming out, and that's also based on the true story of another Buffalonian, a man named Franz Stryker, who wrote... and created the Lone Ranger, uh, but unfortunately he sold it, sold the rights for $10 before it became a, a huge cultural phenomenon.
1: Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. What, a, lot what, stuff, what a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff goes on in Buffalo. To bring Back to life and kind of back to light. That's, that's pretty epic. And, and you stayed close to home with both those picks. So are these like stories you grew up with? Uh, no, you know, I think probably about the, I wasn't
2: conscious of it but when I wrote Muscle Cars, when it was finally done, um, looking at it more objectively, I said, wow, these are all Buffalo stories, even though I don't maybe mention the city by name. But if you were familiar with the area, you'd recognize Forest Lawn uh, Cemetery and Volker's Bowling lanes and just, just general landmarks around town. Um, and then I started thinking about it a lot more. And I thought that the two really influential writers growing up were William Kennedy um and he wrote you know the Albany trilogy um based in Albany, New York um that included Ironweed which won the Pulitzer and then Richard Russo who you know had such a strong sense of place so I think I made the conscious decision that I was going to carve out Buffalo, New York as my literary turf to explore um so I didn't grow up with these stories about Al Nussbaum or Franz Streicher with with Al, I was actually reading the newspaper one Sunday morning, and there was an article about him. His daughter was trying. And I didn't tell you this part, um, no spoilers. But um, he gets caught, he goes to prison. But while in prison, he becomes a writer. Um, Ellery Queen, Mike Shane, Mystery Magazine, Alfred Hitchcock, a penny a word guy behind bars. Um, he even writes for um, if you guys remember Scholastic Books. Um, oh wow! So you had oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. had
1: a, a convicted if you remember,
2: felon. A convicted you already felon know the answer to that.
1: Writing your book. <laughs> so it's, it's always amazing when you uncover like like I do a lot of geeky. Erica, tell you, you, get me on a rant about research and history and dark history and cryptids and monsters, and it spirals. But it's so crazy that a lot of. Writers who want to write historical fiction, I always recommend go to your local museums and art history places because you'll be shocked what you have within arm's reach. And it's it's incredible to see that you you've come up not one or two stories, but several stories that have ties to true Yeah. Story. Yeah. What's
2: even geekier? I, I like going to the library and uh, getting on the microfiche uh, machine and looking through old newspapers. Uh, those things are great, even just for the advertisements. Um, they're hilarious and and you learn a lot about the times and 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 the city that really um, my parents grew up with uh, and in. So that's also kind of fun too.
0: What okay. Well, we just went through a whole research news nerd thing. Here. And I'm like, I have not had nearly enough Bailey's for that. I can tell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I don't think you are. I don't think either one of you are. So <laughs> no, never. And that's never. fine. Yeah. It's it's you know whatever. Um, my question though is 2015 to 2022. What what happened there?
2: I was trying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well
2: well good answer. I mean the, the 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 bigger question is um 1983 to 2015 what happened uh, because it, it took me 30 years to get that first book published and again, I was trying um I think I had about um I think three complete novels that were I couldn't sell no one wanted them and a, another short story collection. Um, that I couldn't play. So I had, you know, four four swings at it and, and had missed. And it wasn't until 2015 where I finally was able to, for whatever reason, um, you know, matured as a person, matured as a writer, uh, was able to go on this streak. Um, so I started um, with that in mind after um, Muscle Cars came out, you know, I wanted to write a novel. I'd always wanted to be a novelist, um, but I was, I was gunshot uh, you know, with those three failed novels in the drawer. And I knew I wanted to write about Al Nussbaum, the bank robber. Um, so I approached it as three connected novellas uh, because I was afraid to call it a novel and actually write a novel. And so I spent, you know, a lot of time working on the novellas and um, showed it to the publisher of Muscle Cars and SFWP. And he said, no, 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 just, you know, just be brave. just Just write the novel. You can do it. Um, so I had to go back and and turn that into a novel. Um, so that took some time, um, and then our friend COVID came along. Uh, so yeah, it kind of throw things off. But the the good news is is Rook came out last year, and and yesteryear is coming out this fall.
1: Wow, wow! Hey, congratulations! Okay. Yes, Thanks.
0: congratulations! And why when you say that you had three field starts, did you try to send them? to like companies and you know publishing companies
2: and stuff? Yeah I'm traditionally published so I'm, I'm not a self-published author Um so I was trying to you know get agents I was trying to get independent presses and university presses um to pick up and accept my stuff and and uh, I didn't have any luck uh, you know for th- three decades Um but you know I kept I kept trying I kept getting up at five in the morning and writing and trying to get better at my craft and and, like I said, for whatever reason, you know, things kind of clicked into place for me um, you know about you know eight, ten years ago.
0: That well, is that's. Cool. Cool. That's very, very cool. Um, okay. Uh, so this thing what you say you always wanted to be novelist. Talk about that a little bit.
2: yeah, I can remember this is going back to, and I'm dating myself if I haven't already. Um, I think I was a senior in high school in, in 1981, when John Irving's The Hotel New Hampshire came out. And I remember reading that. It was actually serialized in Rolling Stone that I used to subscribe to. Um, and my sister and I used to fight over when when the Rolling Stone would come, would be delivered because we wanted to read the next installment of The Hotel New Hampshire. Um, and that Christmas, my sister Sue uh, bought me that novel. Um, and I read it. And when I finished it, I thought, man, I'd love to write a book like that. Something that you're laughing because it's so funny until you realize how sad it is. And he he gives you that emotional twist. And I love that about um, Irving's work, especially his early stuff. And uh, I think at that point, I decided that this is what I I think I want to do. And when I took my first creative writing course a couple years later at the University of Buffalo, um, that's when I knew that this is something that I was going to pursue.
0: I like it. I like it. Okay. And so what So, what are you working on right now?
2: Well, it's funny. You know, I had um, uh, yesteryear done and we decided to, to hold off publishing that because we didn't want it to compete with Rook that came out last year. So we delayed that a year. Um, and then, of course, COVID hit and I was alone in a, a big house with a little one-eyed dog um, probably drinking too much, uh, during the lockdown. And I wrote what I call my pandemic novel, even though it has nothing to do with the pandemic. Um, uh, I always say that people read, sometimes read to escape. I wrote to escape, you know, just because it was so awful and so lonely and the, the news was terrible. Um, so I wrote something just for myself. I just, as something to, you know, get away from reality. And so I wrote a, a novel, um, based in uh, based uh uh not historical novel per se not based on a a life of anyone like rook or yesteryear was but um it's set in 1942 here in buffalo it's called after pearl um Mm -hmm. and it's uh, a noir novel it's about an alcoholic detective with a little one-eyed dog (laughs) and he he wakes up on the floor of his hotel room and there's five shots missing from his gun and um the police want to talk to him about a missing person. And so the novel is that the Ooh, detective has yeah. to piece together the last five days of his life and, of course, solve all these mysteries and, and try to stay sober um, as we all take a drink. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, a I'm
1: drink. not trying <laughs> to <laughs> stay Just sober. let hope we don't wake up that way, sir. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> but what so a great I, way to hit the ground running.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I wrote that, and it was great. And I, I remember blogging, saying, I don't know if this will ever... Get published. I'm just doing it for myself because I mentally I need to do this um, just to get through this. And lo and behold, my my uh my publisher liked it. So that's coming out in 2025. Um, so we're going through the final edits now, and I think it's gonna be a series. So I started on the the second um, Nicholas Bishop detective um novel.
0: So Love how it. did that end up flowing for you? Because that's a little bit different than writing about, even though you're writing about real people and you're having to add stuff. I always say this about even if you were biographing them, which you're not, right? But mm-hmm. we have no idea how the conversations actually went through sure. unless they're recorded, right? And most most of the people we write about don't have the advent of somebody recording everything they say. So how was that, though, switching gears and going back to the more fiction route where it's not based on real characters that you have to have a degree of authenticity to? Look at me saying all the big words, Val. All the big <laughs> words. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, bit of I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I,
2: I didn't have a problem because, like you said, I mean, you have the basics of, I knew the basic of Elm el nussbaum's life i knew the basics of fran striker's story with uh how their lone ranger um, came to be and why it came to be but the rest you know was really pure imagination and with with yesteryear it's a lot of there's some magical realism in there um i've got curses in there i've got uh it's part noir it's 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 a lot of fun it was fun to write uh hopefully fun to read um, so that was really, I used the basis of, of strikers life, you know, to take off and create, um, my, my interpretation of Fran. And I put in other, um, characters who were his contemporaries. Um, uh, Jimmy Slattery was a late heavyweight champion here in Buffalo, um, at the same lived in Buffalo at the same time. He's in the novel. I don't, I don't know if they ever cross paths, um, uh, but he's in there, um, FDR makes an appearance. Uh, <laughs> it's <was> just <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? I mean, he was oh, just yes. elected, but
0: of to course,
2: his, <laughs> <laughs> to his first term. So you know, he comes to Buffalo for a visit. Um, uh, Stephen Magdiano um, was the head of the Mafia here for decades, and oh, of course, my. he's got to be in it. Uh, so I really created my inter- fictional interpretation of those people. So when I switched to after Pearl, it wasn't really any different. It's still trying to develop fully rounded characters. Um, You know, I just didn't have any starting point, but um, for whatever reason with that novel, I I didn't need one. I was just ready to um, get away from COVID and the news and just dove right in.
0: No, that makes sense. I mean, I think that sounds like a ton of fun. So um, what made you decide to stick with going towards a traditional publisher?
2: Um. It's what I've always wanted. Um, there is a sense of validation that I wanted from my work. Um, I wanted somebody to say, "Hey, this is this is worth investing in. This is this is worth publishing and promoting as much as they can." Um, so it never really occurred to me to self-publish um, or go a hybrid route. Um, I wanted the old-fashioned, traditional. A model as much as I could achieve um yeah, you know maybe that was wrong <laughs> wrong because it took me 30 years No, maybe
1: we tell people this often that it's up to the author to decide what path you want to take and what what investment what what do you value what is your level of success like everyone defines that differently and and what how many episodes are we up to Erica <laughs> like over five 400 episodes yeah yeah. Like we've never gotten the same answer twice on yeah. on that front. People go traditional, hybrid, self published. Sometimes they zigzag between the realms, yep. and it's all dependent on what works for you in the heat of the moment or what, val- like you said, the validation and things like that. So, uh, us asking that is not like a judgment call here or on yeah. drink with others. We're just, we always want people to share their experience and their reasoning behind it because who knows, there's a writer out there listening to this today who's like, yeah, that's. That's what I was. Yes. And, and hear that it is possible that you can hit those goals.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, for my, it surely took time.
0: <laughs> uh, and
2: um, I think it but, does.
0: And I think it's what your life goals are like, you know, to um, and what level of control do you want to have over the process? When it comes time to do the process, mm-hmm. those are the two big things because you have a lot less control this way. I'm not saying publishers are all mean, evil people, but you're giving up some degree of control. At the same time, you're also hopefully having somebody who goes, hi, we know how to market this book. We know how to do that, you know, yeah. which uh, is and, and, the key.
2: Yeah. And I, I always had the the basic idea that um, writers and artists should be paid. Uh, we shouldn't have to pay to get our work out there. Um that was always a maybe a a naive <laughs> uh thought of mine, but that always stuck with me. And so I, I stuck with uh trying to get uh, in the traditional route. And even you know, before muscle came muscle cars came out, and I was looking at myself honestly saying, Man, you're no closer to getting published than you were, you know, 30 years ago. Um my decision was well, you know, there's there's millions of people that go and play tennis on the weekend. They're never gonna play in Wimbledon. And there's millions of people that go golfing that they're never gonna play in the US Open or the Masters. Um, I don't golf, I don't play tennis, I write. Um, and so if I don't get published, I don't get published, but I'm not gonna stop after all these years. Um, so I just kept hacking away at it. And uh, you know, the manuscript happened to fall across the right editor's desk at the right time and um here I am, instant success, you know, 40 years later.
0: <laughs> well, and, you know, it It does sometimes take time. Everybody's journey is different when it comes to publishing. There's, and there's no exact formula to get to where you are. You know, a lot of it is contingent upon what you're putting down on the piece of paper and who it is that gets to view what you're putting down on the piece of paper. Because this is a very opinion-based business you know, yeah. what people think is good.
2: Yeah. But looking back, I mean, looking back at those early novels that didn't get published, I can absolutely see why they didn't get published now. I mean, they they weren't very good. It was a young writer trying to learn the craft, trying to understand what the concept of story meant and really wasn't getting it in those early, early works. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I just needed to develop, you know, a, as a, as a writer, and I think mature as a, a person, um, until I started producing stuff that was others thought was publishable.
1: No,
0: that makes, yeah. that makes total sense.
1: Um, and Erica tells people often, and this is something I totally agree with and find myself uh, quoting you a lot, Erica.
0: The the inner Erica. As people should. <laughs> now, I'm um, firmly convinced I should be quoted on a daily basis by people. Not saying what I should be quoted about, but I definitely should be quoted.
1: <laughs> but, but she's always telling authors, like, the moment you lay a word, like each word you lay down on that paper, you're a better writer than you were the letter before. Right. Mm-hmm. With each page, with each sentence, with each word you lay down, you're constantly improving as an author um, because we often get people who who, up, imposter syndrome comes into play a lot. And they're like, oh, I should totally rewrite that first book I published 10 years ago. No. So, you know, it, it was a success. And one of the best advice I ever heard on the topic was from Anne Rice herself, where people asked her this question and she says, do I look back at Interview with a Vampire and think, man, I could have told that story much better? Absolutely. Do I need to go back and rewrite it? No. She says it's made movies and everything. It's, you know, everyone has invested in that book. She says for the who I was at the time I wrote it, that was I did incredible, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's what you have to remember that you're constantly growing and you shouldn't totally discredit, you know, how far you were able to go with what knowledge you had at the time. Uh, So it's, it's always, it's always crazy to see how you develop. We even hear uh, stories from like Charles Gannon went back to an old story he wrote when he was 14 and he's like, Oh, this writing hurts. But the idea, you yeah. know, the those ideas are always revivable on some level.
0: Well, I have that book that he revived that story on my shelf, signed right. by him to me, because he revived that fantasy story, you know, because of that exact thing. He was like, I can do this, but I can do it better. But at the same time, you can't rewrite every single thing you wrote. And some stuff just doesn't work anymore. You just don't have the passion for it you did when you were writing it the first time. So Yes, lessons learned, lessons learned all over the place. I'm very um, (laughs) wary of how little Val has left in that cup that she's drinking from because. Thirsty. Yeah. We talked about this This is part of the reason you have problems with alcohol, Val, is that you don't drink a drink like that because you're thirsty. (laughs) I'm just going to put it over there out of reach. This is going downhill, Steve. Just brace yourself. I can already tell you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm already buckled up.
1: <laughs> I can keep it so together. Let's it talk
0: together. about reviews. Oh my goodness. out of control. Let's talk about reviews because you did a short story collection um, and then you put out your first novel. What was it like? First of all, do you read your reviews?
2: Um, not very often, no. Um, I don't read the reviews like on Amazon. I, like I, If I look out there and I see a one star. You know, or something. Someone gave me a a one star because they said the book had an odor to it. You know, <laughs> on, on Amazon. And I said, well, you know, I'm not responsible for the the shipping and distribution of it. <laughs> so if I see something like that, I'll take a look. But you know, it's like you said, I did I did the best I could at that time with where I am as a writer. Um, so I, I really don't look at reviews too much. Um, having said that. Uh, I do share my work uh, with my little writers group, um, and I get feedback from them and their critiques, and I take um, that very seriously, and, you know, I'm grateful to have, you know, those women in my life to to, to uh, take the time out of their writing schedule to read my stuff, and, and we've known each other long enough that we know that all the suggestions are coming from a good place and, and they're usually right. <laughs> um, so I, I'm more concerned with, with their feedback, um, rather than maybe spending time reading reviews and, and, um, getting caught up in that.
0: It makes sense. What about fan interaction? How's that been for you?
2: You know, I love doing, um, visiting book clubs, um, in person, I did a lot of Zoom over COVID, like everybody else. But I love going in person because they they usually um, feed me and give me booze. <laughs> uh, but I love getting the feedback and and hearing those questions from uh, from those folks. The uh, you know the readings, the best part for me is the Q and A at the end. Uh, when I do those, when I do public readings, those are always the most fun. Um, so I, I love getting interaction. And if you read any of my stuff, you know, go to my website, which is www.sgeoannou.com. And there's a contact uh, form in the back. I love hearing, um, I love hearing from readers through through that as well.
0: No that that makes a lot of sense. Okay, Val, I'm giving you the last question before we break. You're giving me the last question? It's before the break, weirdo. Before the I break. mean, it's not <laughs> like the end. <laughs> I'll be uh, why. You just gotta keep it together for an hour. What is the deal? <laughs> I tried. Um, let's see. What what piece of
1: advice did you get early on that you feel really was a game changer for you?
2: It wasn't really early on. I got this. Um, I went back. It was sort of my last ditch at becoming a writer. I went back from my MFA um, in what two thousand and nine, I think it was, and. At that point, you know, um, I had not had any success, but I remember Fred Lebron, the head of the writing department at the uh, Queen's University of Charlotte would always say, um, writing is a game of attrition, don't attrit. Um, And so I I, I love that. And uh, I I didn't attrit. (laughs) So that was probably the best thing. You know, you can't give up because like I said, you don't know when it's going to across the right person's desk at the right time when they say, oh man, this is exactly what I've been looking for or whatever. Um, so you just have to, you just have to keep plugging away at it.
0: No, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Val's going to get her shit together and we'll be right back. listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. you're just listening to me in the podcast that you had, but guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncie, the author of the Eerie Florida book series in Erie Appalachia, and we are hosting a new podcast called Eerie Travels. Woo woo, Eerie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about. And I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep. And you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerie travels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. We're back. Well, it appears to have gotten our shit together. We'll see how long that holds up. I'm not no, it's minutes. not me, it's my family.
1: they They hear the alarm. They hear me announce I'm going to be recording. And then everyone, they've not entered this office all day until the last 15, 30
0: minutes we've been on. That sounds like my puppies. Like my puppies are locked upstairs because they'll come in here. They'll just lay down. They'll be super casual. That bed right over there. I can do this. Uh, Puppy bed. You'd think they could relax. No, the moment I start talking to somebody, they're like, hey, hey. Hey, 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 we're here. Oh, you know what? We're going to fight with each other right here. We're going to do that right now. I'm like, anyway. Um, okay. So I have a question because going the traditional publishing route, you have a time delay entered into the publication of your books that can be quite significant. Like the next one's two years? Yeah,
2: 2025. 2025.
0: How how does that factor into what you want to accomplish with your writing career? Do you think now about potentially going hybrid with some of it so that you can go faster? No,
2: because the, the reasons that the delay is, is to give ample time to market and promote the book um, prior to publication. Um, that's one factor. Uh, the second factor is having these books come out in succession you don't want to end up competing with yourself and in short 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 shift the the first novel uh or the previous novel because you're already promoting the second novel um so those were the reasons where we the pub dates were de- determined um you know because it was more of a business decision than anything else um, from a creative standpoint it kind of gives me a cushion to to come up with the second book in the the series, uh, because when I started that book during COVID, it wasn't going to be a series. It was just a a standalone just to get me through the lockdown. Um, And so now it's grown into a a, a series, which I hadn't mapped out or planned for. Um, So I've started that, you know, I'm about, you know, 70 pages into the first draft, not far at all. Um, But knowing that, you know, realistically, that book's probably not going to come out um, until 26 or 27 gives me time to work on that and, and get that one ready.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So going back to why this took so long to begin with, because you said you always <laughs> wanted to be a writer. Sorry, yeah. we Scooby-Doo back in time. I'm allowed to do that. You know, show. So we have a, a Scooby-Doo time machine. So why do you think it took you um outside of finding the right thing but why do you think um out, and maybe you did already answer it but like why it took you so long versus um you know if you wanted to be a writer since college or whatever you know life life happens
2: well uh life certainly does happen uh you know marriages, children, divorce, all that stuff happens, right? Jobs. Um, but I mean, the real reason is really my, my writing wasn't developed enough, um, to get published at that time. Like the work just was not good enough. Um, I wasn't developed as a writer enough, um, to, to, um, be published by a, a traditional publisher. Um, I don't know why it took me so long. <laughs> I wish it didn't, um, but that's okay. I mean, everything is working out. Um, it just didn't go quite according to plan. Um, what you know, my f- plan. Go ahead. But, I was going to say, you know, when I was in uh, grad school in 86, um, this is a time that um, Bret Easton Ellis was coming out with his first novel and Michael Chabon, all those American male writers who were about 30 years old. And they're about four or five years older than, than I am. And I thought, well, that's going to be me, right? I mean, I'm in grad school. I'm working on my thesis. Um, this is when I was getting my, my MA, not my MFA. And I said, well, I'll be I'll be one of those guys. I'll, my first novel come out when I was 30. And, you know, 30 came and went. <laughs> 40 came and went. Uh, 50 went faster. Um, but I just wasn't developed enough. I just wasn't um, producing consistent quality work over the length of a novel to to get it published. I think one of the drawbacks is I didn't really understand the concept of story. Um, I didn't understand how to structure a story over a long in the long form. Um, And I had to learn that. And I was primarily at that time uh, working alone in a vacuum, not sharing work, um, which I think looking back was a huge mistake in my development. Um, But I just was not surrounded by writers or creative people at that at that point, um, but, so I think that played a huge part in why it took me so long to get here.
0: That makes sense. What about um, what are the first three books about?
2: Uh, so, Muscle Cars is a short story collection. Like I said, no, um, not
0: the ones that are published. Okay, I'm just curious. Oh, the, the ones that, that are, they are, are they hiding pop. in the door. Yeah, no, we're going, going back pop. in time. Um, I already you can take a, a, a swig about. of your beer. We you got can, this. Take a swig <laughs> of your beer. Man.
2: <laughs> um, let's see. There was one that wasn't completed. It was called uh, Guest of the Bride. Um, and that was, I guess, attempt <laughs> uh, attempted a, uh, a rom-com when a... Um, j- jilted ex-boyfriend gets a wedding invitation to his ex-girlfriend's wedding. Um, that died on the vine. Um, there was a short, there was a novel called Rounding Third. Uh, that was set in Charleston, South Carolina. That's where I was living for uh, 10 years. And that's about a man who, a family, and they buy a older home in Charleston. You know, Charleston is very historic town and beneath the stairs in this dark dingy um, basement and basements are kind of rare in Charleston but our house happened to have one. Underneath the stairs in the cement in the floor is a tombstone um, and it's it turns out it was the um, person who really invented baseball not Abner Doubleday. Uh, but of course the whole idea that Abner Doubleday invented baseball is kind of that myth has kind of been uh uh, proven to be false uh so you know the novel was kind of like "Eh, yeah i I missed that one that i missed my window for that one um and then i wrote a novel called um slipkid which actually i i turned into a short story that's in muscle cars and actually a short screenplay that that won the denver film festival in 2011 i think it was um, and that was based on uh, something that happened here in Buffalo when I was a kid. Our, our parish priest was murdered um, really by some teenagers that had broken into the church, um, so I, I thought that was definitely gonna be my first novel. I just felt it. I mean, it was so right. Um, it, it just seemed right, and it, it wasn't. It just didn't work as a novel, and I couldn't let that story go, and like I said, I just kept whittling it down and whittling it down and whittling it down. And it really became the, the centerpiece of the, the Muscle Cars collection. And even when the short story was done, I, I couldn't leave it alone and and try to develop it into a full-length um, screenplay. Didn't quite make it. It's a short, um, but uh, like I said, it did win the award out in, in, um, in Denver. Uh, then there was also a short story collection called Stories from the Back Streets. Um, and again, and all these looking back, I can see that the, the, the turf that I'm exploring and the char- types of characters and the neighborhoods, all those were in those early manuscripts. Um, they just weren't developed fully. Um, they just weren't, um, done well enough. Uh, but I can see the, the, the stuff that I'm doing now traces directly back to those early manuscripts. Uh, That short story collection, um, tried to have them as uh, interlocking stories, uh, connected stories, um, because I love that in short story collections. Um, The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien's one of my favorite books and the way he connects everything in those stories is just brilliant. I was trying to do something similar in an urban setting. And um, uh, I just, could pull it off um, but it was good practice it was good training and um, like I said the roots of what I'm doing now uh, are back in those early failed manuscripts.
0: No that totally makes sense I just wanted to go back in time and scooby-doo to see where we started. From. <laughs> and it sounds like
1: you were right there on the edge of what your vein was you just hadn't found how to, to, like you said, to capture the story in a way to immerse the readers in it fully. Uh, I know like one of the exercises I give uh, at workshops is if you're struggling with story, um, when you look at a scene, make sure that you're using all five senses, right? You want to kind of bring them all root them into the moment by using stuff that they've experienced as a reader and then overlay your story into it a little bit. But, I mean, being able to use what's around you and your history and stuff really does help help out. But sometimes it can be hard to capture it at the same time. So it's sort of a double-edged sword there. Yeah. Well, I, um,
0: I was also going to mention, I still think you should bring that preacher story back. Uh, you know
1: she's into true crime she loves that stuff
0: (laughs) yeah I vote for you to bring that story back because it sounds like it's close to your roots and maybe it's just a smidge off from where it needs to be Uh,
2: maybe uh maybe you know I've got I got some other projects I like to get to um but that was like a, a coming of age novel um set in the 70s when I grew up um so there's the cars of that time and the music and 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 the city itself that was uh really at that time heading in the wrong direction with you know the jobs leaving and heading south and you you know bethlehem steel closing and all those things that happened when i was you know growing up um so you never know you never know when um it's kind of funny you know there's so many books and laying around the house and then I may pick up a book that I bought 20 years ago and haven't read. And for whatever reason, that looks, you know, that looks like appealing to me at that particular moment. And I'll pull it off the shelf and start reading it. I think sometimes with our, our past, um, writing attempts, there's always that possibility that you open up the file cabinet or go on a certain hard drive and, and you see it there and, you know, something pulls you in and the next thing you know, you're, uh, you're way steep in it again, trying to figure it out.
0: Well, I'm, I'm voting for you to get way steep in that one again. <laughs> you never know. I mean, it's, it's a very, you know, a, a lot of those themes are still relevant today. And it's a very interesting thing to have a spiritual leader taken from a community. Like, cause that's that's a whole different, I mean, the loss of anybody is terrible for the most part. There are some people that, I think, unfortunately, because they don't have justice applied to them, we kind of cheer a little bit when things happen. We're like, ah, that's karma. Ah. But, 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 you
2: know, when I when I think about that novel, though, um, I can remember um, going to the library again, going through old newspaper articles from that time. Um, old um, news, you know, News programs from that time. That that novel um, was really the start, I think, of when I I caught the research bug um, when it comes to starting books and starting novels. I think working on that kind of um, uh, I found out that I really like doing that. Um, so you know, again, the roots go back to those early works that didn't come to anything in terms of a published work, but I think it helped me develop as a writer. And um, maybe even as a researcher.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, there's definitely something great out of that then. Um, Val, you're going to get the last question before literary briefs. So don't make it a literary briefs question.
1: Oh, I know. And that's that's what I, (laughs) that's Val's, the Jack is like, you should ask this question. I'm like, no, it's not literary briefs. I can't ask that question. (laughs) Um, Let's see let's see like going to have you here's a question because I know this is something that the librarians talk about often at conferences and stuff and um and we talk often about you go to book clubs do you have book club questions for them or included in the back of your book or is you you or is, is this something you've never thought about and and
2: no, I've never had any, my books yet, never had a book club edition with those published. Um, so it's mostly free form. Um, you know, a lot of the questions um, are what you kind of expect. Where'd you get the idea for the story? You know, what, what part's true? You get those types of questions and, and then you get the closer readers that um, really ask the insightful questions and, and uh, that, that's the most fun. Um Especially when you turn the question around and I ask him, well, what do you think? And I go, oh, that's a better answer than the one I had. <laughs> uh, uh, so it's much more free form and, and um, loosely structured than than that. But yeah, I'd love to have a, a book club edition come out someday and and really able to promote that.
1: Yeah, no, I I tell people at the time that it's a great promotional thing, a great thing to add and consider as either part of your website or at the back of the book, if your publisher Mm -hmm. allows you to do that, because a librarian will recommend that book hands down over anything else. And then people usually panic and they're like, well, what question could I possibly ask? I'm like, first off, do not make them yes and no questions. Right. Secondly, this is your personal fight club. Make them fight. (laughs) <laughs> like, why? Why should have they like made that. this decision instead? Or what do you mm-hmm. think would have changed about the story if they had went this way instead of that way? Right. So uh, I like, a, you know, those are the kind of things I like mayhem and chaos. So that's one of the ways I spread this in the world. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I, I like the I like the Fight Club analogy. I'll use that.
0: Oh my god! Okay, um, we are going to do literary briefs. Dun dun dun. OK, so the first question of Literary Brace, my friend, what is your favorite book of all time?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say The Hotel New Hampshire, um, just because it had such an impact on me as a uh, as a kid who was thinking about becoming a writer.
0: Very cool. Very cool. What about your least favorite?
2: Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to weasel out of that one, you know.
1: Um, there in I, is jane austen we don't like any of her
0: no that right. is not my least favorite book of all time i don't uh, like jane austen but that is not my least favorite um <laughs> but there's got to be a book maybe even you were forced to read that you were like this is not good it doesn't mean that the whole thing is bad and everybody should bad. ignore it it's your that opinion is- on it
2: yeah i know there's I, I got to a certain point in my life where i used to always have to finish a book if i started it you know it was like a beer if you start it you got to finish it that was a rule growing up uh and it was kind of the same thing with, with uh books if you start a book you got to finish it and then i think sometime in my 30s was like yeah you know there's a lot more books i'd rather read than than fight through this one so i've started a lot of books and put them down um but least favorite um you know, I really, I really don't have one. I've got books that disappointed me, uh, or I just didn't get it. Uh, but you know,
1: uh, I don't think I have a least favorite. As a reader, is there a pet peeve that turns you off on a book? Like I hate too much purple prose. Like, I'm like, okay, we've talked about the sweater for three pages and it has nothing to do with anything else. You know, stuff like that.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess my pet peeve is if, um, things come too easy especially if the ending isn't earned or if the relationship in the book develops so quickly that you don't really believe it would happen that way Um, and i think that is really just the the author just just not developing um as much as he or she should have so that's my pet peeve i think especially in movies um
1: yeah insta love it drives me crazy yeah 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 okay, <laughs> I like what to about... see them struggle yeah um,
0: bring that in Val. what the hell <laughs> um what about uh your favorite trope for you as a writer to write what is your favorite trope to write
2: well I I definitely am drawn to um all the noir all the noir tropes you know the weather the gloomy weather <laughs> the gloomy main character uh everyone who is uh has an angle to play uh everyone who is questionable ethics and morals um cd bars um i, I love all that stuff um and since i was a kid you know reading Dashiell hammett and raymond chandler and um, i'm still reading that stuff and trying to write that stuff today so all the noir tropes that I, uh, I really love.
0: Very cool. What about, um, uh, what is your writer's Achilles heel? There's something we all do, or some of us, I'll change what we're doing from book to book, that are things that the editor goes, you need to stop doing this. What is it that you do, Steve? Yeah. So a, a lot of time I, I
2: do, and this really came up in um, when we were editing after Pearl this past year with my editor. Uh, I have a tendency um, just to present dialogue uh, without a lot of attribution or um, movement of the character. Um, so they're so all just
0: standing, th- still staring at each other talking.
2: <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll tell you <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so that, that, that was something that I've really tried to work on. Um, with the second book in that series, Uh, you know, I've got a whole, I've got a spreadsheet of words that I I constantly um, use over and over again, that I'll do searches on um, because those are my crutch words and I'll search the manuscript for those um, before anybody sees it, because I know when I'm writing, I, I use them. Um, So I'm aware of that. And once you're aware of those things, uh, you can fix them. So oh, I, I tell people
1: cool. all the time: keep a list of your bad habits and search for those after every mm-hmm. draft. Like it okay. does, and and just acknowledge it's part of the process. You're not a writer, but you're a stronger writer for acknowledging you have those. Like Erica's characters are always realizing stuff. They're always. Hey, they re- don't
0: do that anymore. No, nope. they don't. They don't. No, nope, because when I the moment I start typing that word, I'm like. Hmm. <laughs> Um, I don't think they're realizing anything. I think that I need to shut the hell up.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's what I think. I had,
1: I had one where I kept using as if I'm like, just make it a new sentence.
0: <laughs> just, just yeah. stop. Just make it stop. All of the gr- characters were apparently valley girls in um uh, <laughs> <laughs> book. Uh, you know, as F. <laughs> Okay, so what literary world would you like to visit?
2: What literary world? Um, Oh, I would love to visit, you know, um, the world that Dashiell Hammett created, you know, Sam Spade and uh, the the 20s and 30s, um, that whole era. And I think a lot of that is because that was my my parents' era and I kind of grew up listening to my dad's stories um, and a lot of his stories made their way into yesteryear. A lot of the, the characters were people that he knew from his neighborhood. Um, but I, 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 just love that whole, that whole period. Um, and I love the noir stuff. So I think I'd probably go back to the the world of Dashiell Hammett and Raymond Chandler in the twenties and thirties.
0: Very cool. What about if you could be any lead character in a book, which one would you be? <laughs>
2: uh well I, you know i love the great gatsby but i'd hate to get you know and i hate water right. in the pool but you know i'd hate to get killed at the end um but i love gatsby's character um uh, so maybe i'd be gatsby
0: well you're gonna die in the end yeah
2: so. <laughs> right yeah, we all do right but you we
0: have a great it. voyage before you die you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that
2: whole i love that whole idea that you know they don't know is he you know is he a, a gangster now how did he get his money where did he come from i love that 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 mystery that he had in the beginning of the book, um, you know, but they get hands up there in the pool. So (laughs) maybe that's not the good
1: choice either.
0: (laughs) No, I would say no, that is not the good choice.
1: (laughs) Oh, let's see. Um, (laughs) what is your writing ritual? Do you have to like be at a desk with certain things, certain music and playlists? Can you write anywhere? Do you prefer to, like, I've even heard people like to lay on their back with their feet up on the couch and wall with their laptop, you know, yep. if whatever works, right? Whatever, <laughs> whatever, works. whatever works. So what works for you? Like when you're in like full writer mode, what is, is it PJs? Do you have to get dressed? Some people have to get dressed like, they they're going to work. It's incredible answers we've gotten on this.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I've always been a, cause I got a day job, right? Um, So my writing time was always like from five in the morning till seven in the morning. And I would, get up you know quarter to five and go up to my office which is up on the third floor and one morning it was like late october early november and the house was cold and i couldn't get out of bed and you know it was dark outside i just couldn't get up and this happened for like three days in a row and you know, when that happens, when you miss those writing days, you know, you just beat yourself up. You say, well, this is why you haven't been published in 30 years. You know, you're no good. You're weak. You're lazy. Um, And then, you know, smart, smart guy. Oh, you guys don't do that.
0: (laughs) That escalated really quickly. (laughs) It escalated (laughs) to three days.
1: That was a lot.
2: It's important, right? You can't, you can't miss.
0: No, that's Um, true. It's just very, very violent.
2: Yeah, you can't miss. So then, smart guy that I am, I realized I could bring my laptop down from my office and just have it next to my bed. And I wouldn't have to get out of bed on those cold, dark Buffalo mornings. I would just turn on the light, grab my laptop, and pick up reviewing what I read, what I wrote the day before, and then hopefully go from there. And so that's been my, um, I don't have any rituals other than turning on the light and reaching for my laptop.
1: That counts. Um, that's virtual. Yeah. You um,
2: don't even you know, get
1: out of bed yet. You write the no. moment you wake up. That's... Yep. I can't.
2: You know what? There's something, you know, when you go from like that subconscious dream state into like a creative state, there's something that kind of blurs and blends that I don't understand. Uh, Norman Mailer said writing is a spooky art. And that's some of the spooky stuff that happens when you're in that, not quite awake but you're in this world that you created and and you write stuff and you look at the next morning you go where'd that sentence come from um uh, i love when that happens i love those types of surprises but um but yeah i can pretty much write anywhere um with muscle cars i was traveling a lot for work i was one of those guys that would hop on a plane monday morning and come home thursday night so i had a lot of airport time airplane time hotel time and i I said the um, the muscle cars was edited in Marriott bars up and down the East Coast uh, because that's what I would do. I would have dinner and then grab my laptop and sit at the end of the Marriott Bar and eat salty snacks and drink beer and and edit the uh, uh, muscle cars. Love that's it.
0: a great I love that idea. I love that idea. <laughs> okay. Um, what was the, what was it like for you when you finally got your first printed book in your hands?
2: Don't even remember it.
0: <sighs>
2: don't rem- don't remember it. Um, I know everyone takes their pictures on Facebook and they say, oh, the books <laughs> are here. And, but you know what I, for me, um, that every time it's happened, that project has already been done and edited and gone through all the, the steps that you need to get a book published. And I've already moved on to the next project and the next book. So in that case, a book shows up in my door, you know, it's great. Um, But I don't, I don't have memories of that happening for um, the first two books. Uh, no. Muscle Tarzan.
1: And this goes back to to what you said earlier that you get validation off the acceptance of the publication, where a lot of us get validation having the book in hand. Yeah. So it all comes down to, to where that weighs, where that lies.
2: Yeah. And a lot of, it, of I mean,
1: She doesn't a even wait for <laughs> the
0: book. A lot of it too. I've
2: her. had I've had the advanced readers copy, you know, for months now. Um, so I've already had Pretty close to the finished copy in my hand. Um, and those go out, you know, to the advanced readers and reviewers and stuff. Uh so I, so the book's been in the house and living with me, you know, you know, for six months already. Uh so when that book comes, it looks just like the one I have here, right? Uh it doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of emotional impact from me. Um, but I still take the picture and put it on Facebook and Twitter. But
0: you're supposed <laughs> to do that. Yeah. You are supposed to do that. Okay. Um, Val, I'm going to ask a question, then you get the final one. I'm giving you warnings so that you stop being a weirdo about this. Okay. <laughs> what is um, a place that you would love to visit if a cost and time and all that was removed from this? Where would you like to travel?
2: Yeah, Greece. I've been there twice. Uh I'm Greek. I'm a Greek-American. My father, first generation. My dad came over in the 20s. um, Just came back uh, my niece got married in Athens um, in June. So we were in Athens for five days and then the island of Paros for five days. And I just love the islands. Um, got up every morning and, and wrote there uh, while my, my my sisters and kids were sleeping. Um, so I, I would go back to, to Greece in a heartbeat.
0: Very cool. Okay, Val. Oh,
1: always, always me and i have to think of something i just gave you all that no you gave me a warning and he and he answered so fast the the time
0: (laughs) sorry Um, no if you could sit (laughs) not your fault it's hers uh,
1: if you could sit at a bar and have a conversation with any author dead or alive who would you love to spend the day with or pick the brain of
2: wow that's a good question because i have thought about that over the years right i mean you know, ever since you were in, in high school or junior high when you read Catcher in the Rye and he talks about, you know, wanting to have a beer with a, you know, a writer, you always think about, well, who would it be? And I would, I would think John Irving and he just lives a couple hours from me up in Toronto. Uh, but then I figured we'd get drunk and he'd want to wrestle and, you know, it'd be embarrassing. He's older than me if I got pinned by him. Um, so John Irving, maybe. Um, I, I think if uh, I could go back in time. um, You know, Chandler and Dashiell Hammond, I mentioned them a lot, um, but those two guys could drink me under the table. So that might be that might be messy (laughs) and I may lose their (laughs) I may lose their respect. Um, So I'll go with I'll go with Richard Russo. Uh, He you know, he's a New York State writer, not a New York City writer. Uh, Real strong sense of place, has a good sense of humor. Um, I I think it'd be fun to hang out with Richard Russo for, uh, you know, to go day drinking with.
0: I like um, it. I like it. Um, okay. So question, uh, where can people find you and your books?
2: Yeah, um, you can pre-order yesterday. It comes out October 3rd, um, but you can pre-order it wherever you buy books online or your favorite indie bookstore. Um, you can get it at my publisher, sfwp.com, or my website, uh, which is s-g-e-o-a-n-n-o-u.com. And uh, you can pre-order it. And
0: um, all my other books, uh, Muscle Cars and Rook, are available as well. Very cool. What about social media? If people want to cyberstalk you. Where do they find you? Yeah, I'm on
2: Twitter and Facebook. Um, just dipped my toes into Goodreads this week. I'm not sure why I haven't been there yet, but uh, you can't do everything. Um, so, yeah, you can just you can just look me up. Um, by my last name. There's only one writer out there with my last name, as far as I know.
1: <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> I'm it's easy to find. Sir.
1: As an advantage. <laughs>
2: yep, absolutely.
0: Oh, I could it. Steve, it was so wonderful having you on this podcast. Oh, with thank us. you thank so you much. Here. Yeah, I yeah. had absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Okay. This has been Drinking With Authors. I have been your host, Erica Lance. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, all of those wonderful things. You have the device in your hand. Hit the buttons now. My co-host today has been the, you can tell she's already drunk, Valerie Willis. You wow. <laughs> can pick on me all the time. You make it easy. I do. Uh, <laughs> but I love you. And our guest today has been Steve Iadwanu. Ooh, ooh, oh, oh! oh, oh. Ooh. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, the the, the <laughs> Bailey's trying to trip her up for a hot minute.
1: Yeah, it was a good save, though.
0: Yes, you are. <laughs> I think so. Me and my Bailey's it has gone think so. <laughs> um, but we will catch everyone next time.